Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello, greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher, and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 204. It's going to be one of our last ones for just a little bit. Um, I'm heading to Israel uh, for a couple weeks on a little vacation slash uh, study leave. <laughs> so... I will be not missing week seven and eight, but here we are in week number six, and we're going to have a week number six review. Some observations from the week, give you little tips on the waiver wire, although the waiver wire is pretty pathetic this week, even from a dynasty standpoint, and then we'll talk about some trades that took place in my league. So let's talk week six. Some of the observations that I took from week six, uh, some are going to be not necessarily from a dynasty perspective, but just from a rant perspective of things that happen in week number six. So let's get started. First, I'll call it uh, embarrassing lineups. Uh, man, this was a tough week. Uh, the first round of bye weeks, you know, happened this week. And then just a host of injuries made for some terribly embarrassing uh, lineups and dynasty rosters. I had to plug my nose, you could say, and look away while hitting the submit button on my lineups this week. I'm sure the other dynasty managers felt the same way this week, particularly if you're in, in deep leagues. I know this because I played against some pretty terrible teams this week also. Check this out. Uh, some of the most embarrassing players that I started this week were Darius Slayton, Jalen Warren, Joshua Kelly, <laughs> Robbie Anderson, Diami Brown, AJ Green, and Zach Gentry. All those guys were in my starting lineups of my 11 leagues that I'm in. Crazy. And some of the most embarrassing players that I played against this week were Mike Boone, <laughs> Chase Edmonds, Kyle Jusek, Jusek, if you believe that, Marquez uh, Callaway, and Adam Troutman, and even Corey Clement. Crazy. This was just a terrible week. Uh, I was just not able to absorb all the injuries and buys this week as well as other teams weren't as well. So it was one of the toughest weeks that I've ever seen as far as setting a starting lineup. Pretty terrible, for sure. Another thing I noticed about this week, I'll set my second observation, was a super low-scoring week. Um, I was extremely low scoring. Um, I watched the Red Zone channel on Sundays, and I have my computer open when I'm watching the Red Zone with all 11 of my leagues strategically placed on my computer so that I can watch all the scorings live on my computer. That's how I got to do my little Sunday morning uh, setup. I'm not sure I've ever, I've ever actually shared that on the podcast, but I watched the Red Zone, and I've got all 11 of my leagues strategically placed on my browser so that I can watch all of them at the same time. And this week, several times I thought, I need to refresh my pages because these scores are not changing. My, my little live scoring feeds aren't working, but it wasn't the case. It was just that the scoring was so low. This is particularly true of the, the three late games, if you were watching the late game. The Seattle-Arizona game only managed to kick field goals the entire game. And then the other late game, Carolina scored a defensive touchdown while the Rams really struggled in the first half until they finally scored a couple touchdowns in the second half. And even the Bills and Chiefs, the much, you know, touted game that was going to be the game for, you know, game of the year with tons of scoring really didn't pick up until the second half. And so the total points scored just weren't moving. It just caused all of the dynasty, you know, and, and fantasy points scored to, to plummet. In one league, my final score in this league was 53 points. 
Not a single player on my team scored a touchdown. That's how bad this week was. I had one league where I scored 53 points and not a single player on my roster in my starting lineup scored a touchdown. I, I scored 172 points in that league the previous week. This week I scored 53. Unbelievable. Low scoring week. Uh, that's pretty embarrassing for sure. Uh, frustrating to see that happen. Then uh, next observation I'd say was that this was just like an upset Sunday. On top of all of that stuff, this was like the Sunday for NFL upsets. Six of the 12 games were upset, upsets on Sunday, uh, concluding in the biggest upset of the year so far. Pittsburgh beat Tampa Bay, who was an eight, favored by eight points. Good teams you know, with large point spreads were beaten badly by their opponents. The Jets beat the Packers, who were favored by 7.5. The Giants beat the Ravens, who were favored by 6. The Falcons beat the 49ers, who were favored by 5.5. And the surprise upsets just brought down the fantasy production of all the Buccaneers, all the Packers, all the Ravens, and all the 49ers. With the exception, maybe you could say, of Mark Andrews, who and maybe perhaps Chris Godwin, if you had him, none of the players on those starting teams, those you know starting None of the players you, that you would start from those teams met their expectation. It was just one of those weeks in the NFL games that had the you know percentage chance of winning graph like our fantasy platforms do when you got the percentage of winning. This one would have been one of the ones where the biggest team started with a huge winning percentage, but as you watch the game, it just continually shrunk, 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 and then the tables returned. <laughs> and those that you know happened to be on the lucky-to-win side of the scale in their fantasy matchups were, ha- were happy. But those that were on the other side had pretty terrible, undeserved losses, as did the NFL teams in week number six. Upset Sunday for sure. Let's talk some Dynasty a little bit. Those were some rants, not necessarily Dynasty related, but here's a couple observations from a Dynasty perspective. Uh, first, I just want to talk about the Dynasty uh, impact of the Giant rookies. Uh, the Giants, one of the teams that contributed to the upsets on Sundays, they saw two rookies contribute to their upset win over the Ravens. Uh, Wondell Robinson saw the field, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> saw the field for the first time in his career. And while he only played 15 snaps total, he contributed to three receptions, 37 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Darius Slayton, Marcus Johnson, David Seals, and Richie James, four guys, still had more snaps than he did, uh, but he contributed more from a fantasy perspective than all of them. The only player, actually, who outproduced him uh, was Daniel Bellinger, who had five catches for 38 yards and a touchdown. Bellinger won the starting tight end role for the Giants, you know, starting game one of the season. He was a starting tight end right away as a rookie. But his snap count and his involvement has increased every single week since he started. In fact, this week he played 94% of the snaps on Sunday. And he's really on the cusp of becoming like a reliable back-end, you know, starting tight end on dynasty rosters. He's not there yet, but he's really close. And then Robinson, you know, as he gets healthy and gets more involved in the offense, he should become the reliable starter as well. He's much better prospect than all the other players that I mentioned just then that are ahead of him. Unbelievable. The Giants receivers are so terrible. It's finally Robinson starting to get involved now that he's uh, seeing the field and he's going to start to move ahead of them as well. The, the giant staff, if you remember, they were the ones that drafted. It's a new coaching staff, new GM. They drafted him, and it's their player that they want. They have a specific role in mind for him, and now we're starting to see what that could look like now that he's finally on the field. So pretty exciting exciting for these giant rookies. A couple other rookies uh, made a difference, and they'll call these the Patriot 
uh, rookies. Patriots, they relied on two rookies in their upset win over the Browns. Taylor Zappi, or Baylor, Baylor Zappi, uh, he managed to um, just make an incredible game this week. This time he didn't uh, come in like he did last week where he was just supposed to manage the game. This time he came in and he did uh, like he was like he was part of the game plan. He threw for 309 yards and two touchdowns. Now, it would be a huge stretch uh, to believe that he would supplant Mac Jones as a starter in New England. But man, his play on Sunday should make the it should at least make Mac Jones a little bit more eager to recover and get back on the field because Zappi looked pretty good. And he's definitely a player like in Superflex leagues that you want to hold on to just in case this happens. Uh, this is pretty crazy. I doubt that it would happen again, but it is the Patriots who, after all, they benched Drew Bree, or I mean Drew uh, Bledsoe for Tom Brady twenty something years ago. And fellow, you know, he could do the same here. Zappy could become something that's better than Mac Jones. Uh, I doubt that's going to happen, but Zappy played really well. And it's something definitely to keep an eye on in Superflex leagues. Man, he's a player player to keep on your on your roster for sure. Maybe uh, more if fun was the Patriots' fellow rookie, uh, Twyko, uh, Tyquan Thornton, also contributed to the win with two touchdowns of his own, one in the ground and one through the air. It's uh, not very high, you know. On, I was not very high on Thornton this year in the rookie class, so I didn't draft him until my very last rookie draft. I have one that takes place on Labor Day weekend. It's my freak draft <laughs> that takes place. And that was the only league that I drafted him because but he played so well in the preseason games that I had to admit that maybe I was wrong. That was my admitting that I was wrong, that I maybe should have had a higher view on him. And so I'm happy to have him in that league. It, it was his second week back from injury, hardly played the week before. But this week he worked up to 57% of the snaps. And what's best about the Patriots is they clearly have plans to use him in the running game too. He carried the ball three times this week, one of which was a touchdown. And he's going to be a player that they're going to continue to use in creative ways just because of his speed. He's not startable in fantasy lineups yet, but dynasty managers should have like good reason to hope that he's going to be soon. Uh, pretty exciting for these Patriot rookies, uh, Taylor, uh, Taquan Thornton and Zappi. Could be something big. Maybe we're going to have a new Tom Brady on our hands. I don't know. Just to keep an eye on. Next, I'll call it the uh, uh, Carolina Fire Cell. It's sad to say, but I think it's about time for the fire sale in Carolina. They already shipped off their coach and let him go, like I predicted would happen last week on this podcast. Uh, they, they, they let uh, Rule go, and now, crazy, they already shipped off Robbie Anderson. He had an altercation with his coach during the game, and they are apparently now shopping Christian McCaffrey as well. It's a fire sale in Carolina, and so should it be probably for fantasy managers that have Panthers players on their teams too. It would really be fun to see uh, CMC, Christian McCaffrey, on another team and could give him, you know, maybe one final dynasty boost to his, uh, you know, value if he was to get traded to a next, another team. Uh, but Carolina, all their players besides him have fallen to their lowest point yet from a dynasty perspective, especially if they stay with Carolina. I'm stuck with a few shares of Robbie Anderson. I've mentioned that before. He is, I've got him, I think, in three of my 11 leagues. I'm a little bit intrigued by this trade to the Carolina, uh, especially, you know, they're going to get, I mean, this trade to the Cardinals, rather. Uh, they're going to get DeAndre Hopkins back this, this week, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but he's also, they've lost p- perhaps Marquise Brown for the year, or at least for a huge part of the year. A um, little intrigued to see what could happen with him. 
Then there's DJ Moore. Um, I never drafted or rostered him in any of my leagues. The only share that I had of DJ Moore was when I took over an orphan team this year. And my first move in that league was to trade him. I traded uh, Moore for Daryl Henderson. I traded Moore and Daryl Henderson for Tyree Kill and Daryl Williams. And I couldn't be happier with that trade. I'm not a fan of DJ Moore on this team. Uh, Carolina's fire sale is on in real life. They are going to do it. And then I think dynasty managers need to be concerned and sell off as many players from Carolina as they're able, as if you're able. It's probably too little too late. We will see what happens as they continue to sell players on their teams. Next, I'll call it uh, losing by winning. Pretty frustrating. Losing by winning. Atlanta's offense, man, it's terrible to watch. And it's killing dynasty production, fantasy production of its players. But it is producing wins on the field. So that's great for them, but terrible for dynasty managers who really have shares the two of the youngest and best assets at their positions, talking about Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Over the last five weeks, let's get, check this out. Over the last five weeks, the Falcons and Marcus and Mariota has averaged 21 pass attempts per game, but he's only completing 61% of his passes. So that means that he's completing 13 passes per game since that first week when they actually used him a lot more. Since week one, 13 passes per game. That's ridiculous. That means that London and Pitts are very hard to start in dynasty rosters. There's just not enough volume to go around. And even if it's split, but just between the two of them, which they are getting a huge target share, but the target share doesn't matter when you're only getting 13 completed passes per game. It's terrible. Uh, it, it, it's so frustrating. And then they're, they're, you know, you'd think that their high run to pass you know, ratio would make the running game productive, but it's not either. Since Cordell Patterson, who was placed on IR, the backfield's pretty much been split between Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley. And Mariota is the one that's actually stealing the rushing touchdowns. So the Falcons are winning, but the Dynasty teams are losing because of the Falcons. Pretty terrible when you have these great players, particularly London and Pitts, that you just want to see and you know have the opportunity. They're just not able to do it because the offense is so bad with what they're doing right now. Next observation, I'd call it uh, slowing the roll. Slow the roll, to use the phrase of the, of the youths that are out there right now. Uh, after a ridiculously hot start, I'm talking about Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore offense has really slowed their roll, we'll call it. Jackson and Andrews are still every week starters, don't get me wrong, but they're just not carrying dynasty teams like they did in weeks one through three. My only shares of Andrews and Jackson are actually in one league where I have them both on the same team. So I got that great Jackson and Andrews stack. And I'm sure that I'm not the only one, but I've suffered the last couple weeks. I was I was 3-0 to start the season with these guys. And then now I've lost two out of the last three games because Jackson and Andrews just aren't carrying my team like they were at the start of the year. Then there's J.K. Dobbins, who left the game with another knee issue uh, in the backfield. It's making the Ravens even more unpredictable. We've really yet to see Dobbins return to his rookie form, which is pretty sad. And with each passing week, it's more and more easy to believe that he's just never going to get there. He's never going to return to that rookie form, which is terribly frustrating because if you're a dynasty manager who rightfully, I think, believe that he would at the very least be an RB2, if not become an RB1, he's not doing it. I'm still confident in Jackson and Andrews overall, and would never take them out of my starting lineups. But I have to adjust my expectations in that one league where I have them. Ashton, other Jackson and Andrews owners right now. Uh, pretty, pretty sad to see that they're, quote, slowing their roll right now. 
one more observation but we talked about the waiver wire and that is i'll call it can't win without you we'll see what happens on monday night during the game i record this on monday monday afternoon just before the monday night games but i think that justin herbert and kyler murray they just need their top receivers back in order for them to become you know what i would say could say really top six fantasy quarterbacks again neither quarterback has killed their dynasty you know their fantasy teams this season but they've just not produced as much as they could have if they had Keenan Allen and had DeAndre Hopkins back as their top targets. Hopkins you know, was reinstated today, and he's going to be able to play next week, it looks like, even on Thursday night. And Allen's reportedly targeting next week for his return, so I hope that beginning next week, Herbert and Murray can return to form and become top six fantasy quarterbacks. It's true that quarterbacks you know, carry their receivers primarily in fantasy, but superstar receivers really do help their quarterbacks too. And it works the other way around. And I think that Herbert, you know, depending on what happens tonight, you'll see, uh, is just missing Allen in the starting lineup. And Murray, he looked pretty terrible the last couple of weeks. He needs Hopkins back in his lineup to be able to be the top, you know, top reliable, you know, QB1 or really top end QB1 that they need to be. Uh, Herbert is one of my favorite players in the league. He's one of the most, most rostered uh, players, uh, quarterbacks that I have on my teams, and he's just not looking like himself until he gets Keenan Allen back. The same could be true uh, for Murray, which I don't have except in one league. I mentioned a trade where I traded for him this last last week. But man, frustrating to have these quarterbacks that you want so much more from, and you've seen them do it, but they just can't seem to do it without their weapons. They can't win without Keenan Allen and DeAndre Hopkins. Those are my observations from this week. Let's talk just a little bit of waiver wire, a little bit of trade. Uh, waiver wire is pretty pathetic this week, actually. I just looked at it. I think there's probably no one I'm actually going to make moves for, but I'll mention a couple names here just in case you're in deeper leagues or in more desperate than I am right now. As a reminder, I do play in leagues where I roster 300 to 360 players. So that means that I'm in pretty deep dynasty leagues. There's certainly better players out there if you're in, in leagues that have fewer players than this. But... Here's the only players that I even think about this week. First would be Shai Smith. Um, it's a pretty terrible week on the waiver wire, like I said, but Shai Smith is the first player I'd consider adding in deep leagues. Uh, Robbie Anderson got traded to the Cardinals after having that altercation like I talked about on Sunday. And Shai Smith, that means that he's going to assume the wide receiver two role. He's already been grand, you know, already been, you know, eking up to the same amount of targets and the same amount of snaps as Anderson. And so now with Anderson gone, he is the wide receiver two. Granted, it's not a great opportunity because Carolina is going nowhere and they're in the fire cell, like I mentioned. Uh, but he's going to get more targets. And, you know, in an emergency week, like I already talked about, all the crappy players that I played had to start in my starting lineups this week. Hey, if I had Shai Smith on my team and the same thing happened next week, he'd be a player that I might have to start in some deep leagues. Uh, so Shai Smith would be someone I'd be most interested in adding this week. These other two I'll mention, but I'm probably not going to add them in any league. But thought that I'd mention them. That's Malcolm Brown and Ronnie Rivers. Last week it was reported that Cam Akers was on the training block and that he would not play another down for the Rams. Crazy. If that's the case, then the Rams' RB2 role is wide open, at least for a short time, before Kyron Williams comes off the IR, which I'm excited for Kyron Williams. More excited for him than any of these guys I'm going to mention. But I think he's going to be the one that shares the workload ultimately with Daryl Henderson once he's healthy. But if I was desperate and needed a short-term fix, I'd consider add, adding you know Malcolm Brown or Ronnie Rivers. 
Uh, Brown has that pedigree and the NFL experience, but man, he looked slow and plodding on his first carries this last Sunday. Sorry for my uh, fellow Longhorn. Just didn't look like he had any juice this last Sunday when he did get some carries. And Rivers only got one carry, so you really couldn't compare the two of them. Maybe Rivers is better than Brown at this point. I don't know. But I think it's still just a short-term solution because Kyron Williams is going to come back and he's going to take that job from the backup standpoint. That's it. That's it. Normally you have like five or six players that I mentioned for waiver wire this week. It's super thin and not many players I'm going to try for. Shy Smith, maybe in a few leagues. Other than that, I'm kind of holding pat this week, in my leagues at least. Talk real quick about some trades. Uh, one that I made and two other ones that took place in other leagues that I'm a part of. I'd like to share the trades from my perspective because I can share these are actual trades that took place in my leagues so you can see the value of some of these players in uh, leagues where Dynasty Freaks are making trades. So the week six trades are here. First was Zach Ertz for Romeo uh, Dobbs. Uh, this was a trade that I made in the league where I'm trying to rebuild. Uh, I was happy to give away the older veteran like Ertz to get a rookie wide receiver like Dobbs. Uh, the team that traded for Ertz is a defending champ, and he does have a great roster except for the tight end position. So his team was helped by this trade for this year, but likely not beyond this year. Ertz's value, in my opinion, hit a peak this week. This was Ertz's peak this week because he was targeted like crazy. But now DeAndre Hopkins is coming back, and he's going to start taking up some of those targets that Ertz you know, fed on this first part of the season while he was out. Uh, Hopkins is going to eat into the, those, those target shares and Ertz received, you know, the best best that he could for these last six weeks, and soon will be replaced, I think, in Arizona. So I was happy to get younger just by trading uh, Romeo Dobbs, you know, to add him to my team, my first share of him. So excited to have him on a league where I'm rebuilding my receivers for sure. Next trade that took place was Eno Benjamin in a 2024 second round pick for a 2024 first round pick. So one manager. He traded his second pick in 2024 for a first-round pick in 2024 and just threw Benjamin in here at the result. I've got Benjamin in one league. immediately put him on the trading block when when the, this this week started, when his name that he was going to be the starter. I got no bites, but here it happened in this other league where someone was able to trade him. Oh, man, I like that side of the trade. I'd be happy to give up Bino Benjamin in a second-round pick to gain a first-round pick, no matter where the first-round pick is likely to fall. These are 2024 picks, so it is hard to, you know, too far out to know, you know, where these picks are ultimately going to fall. It may end up being that they're actually really close together if the if one team does well and the other team does poorly, you know, swapping first and second-round picks, they could be really close to each other. But no matter the order, I, I would be happy to give Benjamin in a second-round pick to level up to a first-round pick. The team that leveled up is actually rebuilding right now, and they have four first-round picks in 2023 and two in 2024. So I love what they're doing here. Really like that side of the trade. Next trade was uh, Rashad Penny, and a 2023 fourth-round pick was traded for a 2023 uh, third-round pick. So, and again, just kind of a level-up draft pick here. One guy moved up to get a third-round pick, gave up his fourth-round pick, but also added Rashad Penny in the mix. Uh, I rejected this trade from the Penny manager. He must have done this like in multiple leagues, where I mean multiple trades, where he just did the same offer to multiple managers. I rejected this trade uh, when it was offered to me because and this is in my FFPC league 
which there's a really thin rosters. You have to, by the time the rookie draft comes around next year, you have to cut to 16 players. Really, it's 14 because you have to include a defense and a kicker. So 14 positional players before the rookie draft you have to cut to. And the idea of keeping Penny on a team next year when you don't necessarily know what team he's going to be on nor his health at this point uh, next year, it just didn't feel like it was worth holding him and giving up a third-round pick uh, for a fourth-round pick to do it. It felt like it was too risky, in my opinion, in this kind of league that's really the thinnest league that I'm a part of in the FFPC leagues where you have to cut to rosters down so so thin. Uh, but he obviously found one manager who was willing to do it, take a risk on Penny, hope maybe that he uh, re-signs as the backup in Seattle or maybe re-signs with another team. That's really all he's hoping for and was able to kind of swap some picks to do it. Pretty savvy of the owner that was willing to kind of throw this out to everyone. I said no to it, but one manager happened to say yes to it. So that was another trade that took place in my league. Fun talking this week. Again, we're going to miss uh, the next two weeks because I'm going to be in Israel on a uh, trip. So I'm going to try to follow the NFL as best as I can, but I won't be able to make these podcasts or uh, write on my, on my blog for that time. But I appreciate your support. Uh, do want to touch back in a couple weeks. Look forward to that with you. So that's a wrap this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate your support. Uh, make it a two-way conversation anytime by contact me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. Much better on email than I am on Twitter. Can email when I'm from Israel if you want to chat. I would love to do so. Uh, thanks for uh, supporting me as your independent podcaster. I'd be honored if you'd rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. Look forward to talking to you guys in a couple weeks. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.